watch it. Drink it in. Yeah, you sound all good. I'm just scared for my delay. I'll just send him the link anyway. This is the only way we can do it. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Big Six podcast. Today, all right, I'm joined guys. by Ethan and special Hello. guest Charlie, who's a Liverpool fan. Um, so, been quite a few interesting things these last few days in the footballing world, especially in the Premier League and obviously in other leagues, which we'll get onto a bit later on. But I think no better place to start off than a Liverpool v Chelsea, where Chelsea won 1-0 and Liverpool didn't really look too much of a threat and haven't recently. Now, I've turned this over straight away to you, Charlie, to give your verdict on the game and other thoughts. Oh, um, I think our overall performance, some aspects of it was good. Attacking output from everyone but Salah was horrific. I think it was probably the worst in-game management game I've seen from Klopp ever and probably the worst subs as well. Bringing off our only attacking threat early in the second half for Oxlade-Chamberlain who's probably got one goal in the last 50 games. (laughs) It didn't make any sense to me at all. Even like taking off Jones, I don't think would it was the best idea if it wasn't for Cato. Yeah, that really surprised me. I knew that he would. I thought he'd bring him on at some point because he gave him minutes against Sheffield United, but he just didn't give him any. When we need a goal, he brings on Milner. Just, I think you knew it was a write-off as well. The second yeah. we took off Salah because he seemed the only player who looked. To be honest, I knew that we weren't going to score as soon as Chelsea scored because the last time we came back from a losing position was. West Ham at home in December. Wow, that's mad. That, I th- oh no, I think I think that's from a one 0 deficit anyway. And that was Jota. It was a penalty in Jota. Jota came back. He seemed like he was doing some stuff, not a lot, but it was. Yeah. He was sharpish, but like you can't. So you brought back Jota um, from injury, which is a big boost for you. But then you've taken off Salah and you've taken off Jones and you put Milner and uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain in place. Like, doesn't really make any sense to me. But I think that's the most. Do you think Klopp was trying to like make a statement by taking Salah off and being like, it doesn't matter who you are if you're playing badly. Well, I don't even think he was playing badly. But no, basically I, I don't know Because I think our assistant was telling him that Salah wasn't tracking back enough for the cover for Trent, and then like moments after he subbed him off. So I think it could be that. But then we've got Mane and Firmino who don't do that anyway and then don't give anything attacking-wise either. But he's just taken Salah off because he wasn't helping Trent when Robertson is also in the same position and then Firmino's doing absolutely nothing. It didn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's, it's really confusing decision-making from Klopp. And I think I saw a tweet uh, yesterday, which is really true. Uh, Klopp's loyalty is his biggest mm. downfall. Playing players like Oxley Chamberlain or even like James Milner when you need a goal, like I understand bringing him on when it's out. Like, I don't know, two one uh, up at like twenty minutes. I mean, left, he's thirty five. We shouldn't What's be relying on a thirty five year old to come on and try and score a goal. Yeah, it's just. Where do you think the problems lie then? Like, what's your thoughts on Klopp? I think I'm. I've I wrote off this season the moment Van Dijk got injured. I've had small hopes and. Got, got my hopes up, oh yeah, maybe we can finish second, maybe we can scrape top four. I think I was going into this game thinking, if we beat Chelsea, I think we can get second. After our performance against Sheffield United, I thought it was very good. Yeah. But the fact we've lost... That's that's what's so odd about you as well, though. I remember 
the win against West Ham, we all thought was going to be West Ham and Spurs. West Spurs Ham and then West Ham, I think. And then Spurs. Spurs, you won as well consecutively. So you really thought Liverpool would be somewhat back, and you, it's just not happened like that. Why do you think that is? I think it's. I think Klopp's completely fallen out with the owners. I think he's lost the dressing room a bit. To a certain extent, I don't think the players care. I think they just want top four, and I don't. I don't even think they're getting that. But if we if if we don't That's get so top four, days. our transfer window is finished because that gives us so much more money. It means we could potentially fund, yeah. you know, if we were to get Mbappe, that can fund Mbappe. But I don't think we will now because I don't think we're getting top four. Do you think the front three will be broken up in the summer? Um. <sighs> I, I'm not sure because I don't. I realistically, who's going to buy Mane? Who's got less goals than Suchek and Gundogan in summer? Who's going to buy Firmino? The only player that we can sell from the front three who will give us a good price is Salah, and I don't want Salah to leave because he's the only person that's tried this season up top. That will do a lot of good in terms of like his all-time Premier League mm. being the one player who's really the carried top scorer is a horrendous incredible. season. All right, some of them might have been penalties. It's crazy, but, you know. Penalties are not, you know, it's, it's whatever. Do, do you think goals. that you'll be able to reach the levels that you did last season again with this squad? Obviously, I know Van Dijk's to come back, which is a massive bonus, but the defense isn't. I know, obviously, there's the point of. Trent and Robertson are having to defend more so they can't attack as much, etc. And you've had some of the midfielders have to drop into defence. But if with Van Dijk back, do you think that's going to completely turn it around? Or do you think there's any yes. chance you can get back to the top? I think we'll be better. Be better? I think we'll get 100 points next season. You think? If we have a decent-ish transfer window, yeah. That's a statement. Interesting. What do you call decent Get rid of Ox, Zorigi, all of the uses, buy Smart. So, like, bring in DePaul... Mbappe, ideally, and then Rafinha, if we can afford him. And then. I wouldn't see you getting two of Mbappe and Rafinha. I think who knows, if really? we have an ideal, in my eyes, an ideal window, I think we can get 100 points and maybe not unbeaten, but I think we can replicate the Premier League form of the 18 19 season where we only lost once, I believe. But it'll be difficult. I think it all depends on. I think it all depends on, obviously, as you say, your window and um, how how good City are as well, whether they consistently... Although I can see, I've got a weird feeling Klopp's doing this on purpose because I saw, I think, of, of all people, Indy Carly tweeted basically saying that FSG will sell if we don't get top four. I don't believe a word of what he says, but if that is true, I can see Klopp doing this on purpose to get rid of them, to bring in serious owners, but I don't think he'd do that. I think he cares too much about that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. Really done too much. It's it's worrying. You've obviously been found out quite a bit and had some very frustrating injuries. We've been found out of many teams over a year now. It's ever since the Watford game. We just haven't looked as good. They destroyed us perfectly. Yeah, after after lockdown, like obviously the title was already won, but you you never looked the same. No, we had moments of. Brilliance, and that was mainly from Navigator. But uh, yeah, it was. It was like Salad wasn't turning up. Mane was turning up a bit, not really. It's just, ever since, ever since that Watford and Atletico game, it's just it's not been the same. Obviously, no, no fans played an impact on that. But even with fans, we were shit, quite frankly. You know, 
draw 1-1 one, one West Brom with fans at home. Pass. So what is worrying results like that, which really, really make things very worrying for you. But yes, seems pretty much about it for Liverpool. Obviously, very worrying times for them. But I think it's time to go into another type of controversy this weekend, which seems to be of a, a bit of a, a weekday, sorry, which seems to be a bit of a recurring theme. Uh, VAR, we got the Werner offside by about a centimetre, just because he's in a forward position. The Kante handball, which we'll get to in a sec. Um, and the Fulham, the F- Fulham goal getting disallowed was wild, and Jagielka red card is also quite interesting. I think it's best to start off with the Werner offside, um, considering it's most recent. To me, like... He's leaning forward and he can't score with his hands. Like realistically, you're gonna to have to lean forward to get into that position to get him behind. I think I don't like that type of thing being disallowed personally. Like I'd I mean, I'm I'm happy because I'm a Liverpool fan, fan it, but it's the fact it should have been allowed. It's ridiculous. Yes, yeah. Ethan, what do you think? One isn't it? I personally think it should have been given as well. I don't really see how they've not given that. Like that part of your arm, you can't score with. So I don't really understand the logic. Especially considering it was initially given as well. Like, surely you need some sort of concrete evidence yeah. to, like, overrule it. To me, it's just unbelievable, like. I've seen so much jeopardy about clear and obvious all the time. Like, they try to waffle their way through clear and obvious, but I never I never get it. Like, it doesn't make sense. And then you had the Kante hand. Well, actually, no, I'll start with the Fulham penalty because it's better for context. Um, Not penalty, sorry. Fulham disallowed goal. Um, So... I can't remember who it was. It got lashed onto Lamina's like arm, but it was right by his side. I think it was Josh Maggio. Who was it? Sorry. Yeah, but he scored. But yeah. Oh, fair enough. It was his goal. Yeah. Um. So it was lashed onto Lamina's arm. Um. Nothing you can do about it. It's gonna hit his side if it doesn't hit his arm. Falls into Josh Maggio, who tucks it away brilliantly, and then it just gets disallowed. Like, I just, I'm just, I just baffled by that sort of decision. Like, it's by his side. It's gonna hit another part of his body and still go to Madger anyways. What's what's the guy meant to do? Well, I don't know if you guys disagree, but I thought that was. I, I mean, I can't disagree with it. I don't see what, what like. I think they've actually changed. They've changed it's one changed rule. Morning, I, think, I, I don't yeah. know if that would affect that. I haven't really read it, but yeah, I don't see like. It's, it's not an unnatural position, is it? it like where his hand was. So I'd, it's another one <laughs> I just don't really understand. Far from that. And it, it's such. What really frustrates me as well is. So I remember the, what was it? You had the handball rule get changed early on the season because of some shambolic decisions. Um, And you have now, I think you also had the goal after the City-Villa game had so much controversy around. Um, That also got, they also changed the rules after that game. And now today, well, they've updated the rules. So if it comes off an arm accidentally, it doesn't get, it gets given now, but, it's, that's all well and good, but Fulham have been robbed off a point or a way back into the game. Like it's just not good enough for me. Like I don't know what you I think. think Charlie. The main issue of me is the consistency because you'll see that in some games get given yeah, as a, disallowed, and in others it'll be allowed. I mean, it's kind of correlating with the Kante one because that that yeah, one that was the other if one. To any of them are you know penalty or a goal. I mean, they both should be a penalty and both should or penalty and a goal, but neither were given. I personally see it as um, in like 
I think I spoke about this last time on the podcast. I was saying, in like, if you could have your ideal rules, I'd never want something like Kante's mm. handball being given as a handball, just because he's launched at him from very close distance. But then it doesn't make sense how um, an accidental handball leading to a goal where there's no intent for it gets disallowed. But then an accidental handball where it's been lashed at the man's hands is a pen, not um, isn't a pen. Sorry, you either give both or give neither, and you should obviously give neither, in my opinion. So, just, just very confusing. Um, but yeah, and then you also had the Jagielka red card, which was quite, quite, quite an interesting topic, to be honest. Um, I think who was it clean for on goal? I, can't I think it was, was. Oh God! Someone was. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I think um, he he got clean for on goal, um, and I think there was a Sheffield United defender covering. But who was it again? Jagielka. Yeah, he just took him out really, um, and the Sheffield United defender probably could have been able to cover him, but he took him out and he gave a red card after looking at the monitor and stuff. And on first replay and second and third, on the evening, I was quite. Quite like okay, fair enough. That's a red card, but I don't know if it is. Like, no, I was the same. Is that really a red card? I think, I especially when I've seen kind of stuff like, like Sackers mm, against Villa. You can see it given, that but then you not think it's not really right to be, to be given. It's probably the fair decision, but it's not a smart decision. If that makes sense. Not... Yeah, no. it's not really what you. It's want another to consistency issue, though, isn't it? Really, like obviously, a lot of comparisons are made to the one. Arsenal against Villa that wasn't given but now that's been given I don't know I feel like he would have got a shot away but would he have scored I don't know is it a goal could you not have linked that back to the realm yeah, of the actually, Atalanta yeah, decision but I think that was a bit closer in than the Jagielka one because I think that was closer in I think it was more of a red card but then it's a click it's a click opportunity but he's going to shoot from wide which very unlikely to go in from that angle. So it's it's really hard to give her a red card, which really changed the game like that. But it was very impressive from, um, from them to still win Sheffield United. But yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of, lot of controversy every single week and it's really, really worrying to be honest. Now uh, on to, Another team in the top four, but underperforming quite quite a lot, despite still being second. And Man United, who looked unbelievably flat, against Palace, and could have been lucky not to lose with that Van Aanholt chance. But yeah, it's it's pretty worrying. Um, obviously, a big six results. They've conceded zero, scored zero. Sorry, um, and then you've got their last what like five hours of football. Or something they haven't scored a goal. Very worrying. Um, but another talking point, which we'll get onto as well when uh, Ethan speaks, which will be in about a sec. Um, Dean Henderson started the game, and that's quite interesting. Is he going to be United's number one? We'll discuss it all now. And Ethan, take it away, mate. What are your views on the game? I'll keep it short about the game because it was very poor. Like, I don't think there's that much to say other than a poor performance. We just looked flat. I think the effort levels weren't there half the time, which is obviously concerning. But yeah, it was a poor performance. I mean, we're now in a top four race, which is inexcusable considering the position we are in. But anyway, more on the goalkeeper situation because I think that's a bit more exciting to talk about yet another nil-nil. Obviously, De Gea has yeah. just had his child that was announced today. Um, 
So I hope that's all right with that because the reason was personal issues. So hopefully everything's okay with him. But it's obviously sparked a debate because Henderson's going to come in and play a few games that should the baton sort of be handed over. For me, I think they're both very similar level goalkeepers. I think they're both good. I don't think either are well class particularly, but considering the age Henderson has on the hair, I'm more leaning towards him being given the number one personally. Obviously, we owe a lot to him yeah. because he's stuck by us in like some of our worst years. But how long can you say that? Because he's been underperforming for you know two seasons, coming on three seasons. It's now. sad. I think it's since the World Cup, he's been just declining ever since then. Yeah, you could say that. It's, it's sad to see because of how good he was during those times. But he, he's really, really fallen off and it's boring for you. Well, he did peak very early for a goalkeeper. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. Everyone used to say, oh, the hair's been for so long and he's still only 30, but maybe he just peaked too young, potentially. That That's a possibility. Some players peak at different points, but my, my point of view at the start, to be honest, which I still kind of stick with, is if United weren't going to assure Dean Henson the starting position, they should have allowed him to go on loan again, um, maybe to a slightly better team, I don't know. Um, but... I, my reason for that is he was brilliant at Sheffield United and he was firing with confidence. And then all of a sudden he comes back to United and hardly gets a game. De Gea deserves to be a starting keeper and so does Dean Henderson. So I personally feel like United could have been better off loaning Dean Henderson maybe till like January and assessing how he is or till the end of the season again if they can't offer him a you know a first-team place straight away. Because mix, mixing and matching goalkeepers is pretty much the last position you really want to mess around with too much. I don't I don't think that he's really can prove much more, to be honest. Like He's proven that he's a good goalkeeper. I mean, obviously, he's hopefully going to get better with age, but I don't really know what more he's got to prove. To... I mean, like, gain more momentum, like because obviously he came up with a lot of confidence. From yeah, that's true, to be fair. But then but I'm sure if he'd have come back now, he's on the bench, in the same situation. Like, I, United are always going to side towards De Gea, first of all, because of his ridiculous contract. There is another mistake he made in that sort of industry, one of many over the last couple of years. So people talk about him going, but I don't really see who's paying that money for a goalkeeper who's past his best. So I can't see both David Hare and Dean Henderson being out of the club next season. It'd be interesting to see how it pans out, but at the moment, I could probably see Henderson leaving more than De Gea. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Henderson, obviously, he's young, he's homegrown, he's going to attract a lot of interest. Obviously, his dream is to play for United, so it's unlikely that he would leave, but United have got to be careful, you know? Um, and as I say, with the whole loan situation, if they gave him, I don't know, let's say they loaned him out to an Everton type of team till the end of the season. Um, maybe not Everton quite later this season because they're actually kind of up there, which is quite funny. But, you know, that that sort of team um, where he can get a bit more of a taste at a slightly bigger club and not just a relegation battling club, can, can continue his momentum and confidence and development and then go to United as pretty much the guaranteed number one. And De Gea, you know, and in the summer, I'm sure United will soon come to a point where they're like, you know, we gave him a crazy contract, but he's not really performing to what we expected. And it's probably going to be time to move on. This, this the fact if you, they can find you a can't player. get rid of him. Like, who's going to pay him 300k yeah. a week plus? Like, it's like the incompetencies which happened with us, with Ozil, for example, most notably. Um, you give a player a ludicrous amount of money. Uh, at the time, it seems like the right call because obviously a lot of loyalty shown there and there at their peak. But unfortunately, it hasn't turned out 
in the way you expected it to, and that's unfortunate, really. I just think but... with Henderson, though, like you said about the higher up loan, but surely a, a team that is at the bottom is the best place for a goalkeeper to prove himself, just because they're tested so much. And obviously, he made. I a think couple he of has been. Like, I think he has proved himself. Yeah, though. no, I agree. Completely. Like. So I don't think he needs to prove himself again. I think he needs to just gain momentum and continue with development phase. Yeah, fair enough. What do you think about it, Charlie, from like an outsider's perspective? I, 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 I don't know what the right answer is because I think they're both good keepers. If I, if I was the manager, I'd keep Henderson. He seems he's got all the attributes to be a top keeper in my eyes. But then, what do you do with De Gea? Because Henderson's going to need game time. If he isn't going to get game time, he's going to get sorted out on loan. But then Day has those moments where he's incredible. He has the games where he's incredible, and then he has moments where he's awful. I think, I think though, just having a liability in the squad full stop is something you don't need yeah. at all nowadays. And it's not worth it for the great games. Who, who's going to buy well. De Gea? I think something yeah. that's interesting to think about is the fact that we blocked Romero's transfer who at the moment isn't even in our Premier League Why? Squad. But like, like, to me, that's just a bit like... A bit no, insulting I completely on him. agree. Like, I think... Um, give him so many years and just to not allow him to get first-team football is quite... quite no, I agree. Uh, I think the treatment of him is disgusting considering how good of a servant he's been for us. However, I don't know if at the back of their mind they're thinking if one of the two goes, he's going to be back-to-backer, which, again, is quite insulting, to be honest. But I wouldn't put anything past, you know... Our club and our he, he's minimum a backup keeper, especially considering he's Argentinian national team keeper, which probably won't right, be. He'd start for a fair few teams in the league, wouldn't he? The fact he's not even making our squad definitely and blocked a move for him. Starting for an Everton type. He's starting for maybe not Leicester. I don't think Arsenal, don't think Villa. Yeah, but a lot, say a starts lot of for Chelsea, like, you know, lower but... down he would play for. I don't really, it's not really matter who, but like you know, that's the point I was trying to make. He'd improve. He'd improve most teams, yeah. as as Charlie said. He's got all the attributes, um, really. To well, I do know that's Henderson, but still, Romero has got a lot of great attributes. I'm surprised about him. that he's um, he's stayed. I, I'm I really surprised. Really like him as well. And I think even it, it feels like United just using him just to benefit themselves, yeah. like just in case he goes out. Oh, you know, here we have a backup keeper who's not happy here. From Romero, though, like. Realistically, is Romero, let's say, hypothetically, Henderson or De Gea leave in the summer, is Romero going to even accept being back, going back to a backup keeper after how United have treated him? I, I wouldn't if I were him, but I don't know if that's what they're expecting. Cause that's F- what I'm thinking. I don't, I don't see why we'd keep him around otherwise, because there, there was offers there. I know Everton went in for him before they bought uh, Olsen, and there are a couple of offers in the MLS as well, so I don't see why we'd decline it. We don't have any morals at all, and... <laughs> Edward Wood is hardly even a human being, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's for a, for another discussion, but more on United as well, just to quickly say before before we move on. Um, five hours without a goal, I think it is, as I mentioned. Very worrying form. Obviously, uh, Rashford, Bruno had off games, but they've been carrying United for however long. Like It's not too, you know, it's not too deep to talk about uh, in that regard, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's just worrying um, United attacking-wise this season. But yeah, I think that's all there really is to say about United. Um, and then we got Everton, who are still grinding out wins, even though they don't look a particularly convincing side, in my opinion. And they've also suffered quite a few injuries at other teams, and they've done well to maintain quite a strong league position. 
more than a lot of expected. And that kind of goes with Ancelotti finishing, I think, top six with every club he's been at, which is also really, really impressive. Yeah, it, it's something like that. I think not last season, but every other league, every other season other than that. Chelsea, Bayern, Real Madrid, Napoli. Really impressive feat. So it, it's not too surprising in that way, Everton are right up there, but yeah. It's... I just feel like obviously they're in a good position now, but I watched them against West Brom and I've watched them a couple of times. They are getting results, but they're just not utterly convincing. Like they could have quite easily drawn or lost that game yesterday. And Carlo is a great coach and they're doing well to grind out results because their squad has been heavily hit with injuries this season and they've missed a lot of key players. But if you look at their starting eleven yesterday, like winning with that is not sustainable. But when they've got their when they've got like... all their players fit, they've got a decent eleven. But as soon as you get a couple yeah. of injuries, like there's so many holes there that just means you can't win games sustainably, comfortably. I feel like they also can rely on individual brilliance quite a lot as well. Um, or not even individual brilliance, just, you know, the odd chanting game. Like, they're brilliant defensively. I'm really impressed with someone I've raved about previously, Ben Godfrey. But uh, attacking-wise, uh, if, if Richarlison's on it, then it's a different story. So I really like him as a player. But if, if he's not on it, then Everton are not scoring as many. And obviously, Calvert-Lewin is been brilliant for Everton this season but James Rodriguez is a key figure for them as well but he's been injured a, a lot of the time so that's really tough for them but yeah uh, it's, it's top four a possibility I'll start with you Charlie obviously bit of a hilarious discussion I think if Everton is the top four race but here I we are I think they can I don't like thinking about it you think I they think can? they can interesting I mean it's possible to be honest they're still managing to grind out results there's 12 games left I think they'll go back to being a far less less than they are to see them there. Um, but I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they're there. Yeah, I mean, as I say, the season is pretty crazy. Anything can really happen. Ethan, what do you think? I can't see them getting it. To be fair, I just don't think their team's good enough. Like, I feel like I've said this before, but it puts into perspective how much of a mess their squad was in last summer because they've made a couple of good signings this summer, and they're still like so far from where they need to be. I think especially in midfield, like, there's that Andre Gomez, Tom Davis, like, in a team trying to go for Champions League football, like, Bernard Iwobi, these players just, they're just not good enough and like, they're so reliant on Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. I mean, in the last two games, they've won 1-0 Richarlison scoring both times. They just don't really get enough contribution from elsewhere. Obviously, Luca Dean gets plenty of assists but other than that, I mean, James is a great player, but how many games he missed this season with injury? Like, it seems like he comes back for a game and then he misses another three. Availability yeah, is such an exactly important trait, that. and he hasn't really got that. It's one of the most underrated, I think. And talking on the top four race, if I had to ask you guys your top four, I think we asked this ages ago, but obviously now the season's progressed more. Things have happened, which are interesting. What would you guys think the top four will be in order? I'll start with you, Ethan. Obviously, City are going to win the league. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I don't know. I think you could even say Chelsea second at the moment, to be honest. like Obviously, they've been so impressive at the moment. Will they keep it up or will they dip? I don't know. But I think they'll definitely be in there. If you want exact positions, I'll put them second at this point, to be honest. I think they could get second. I'll still back us to finish third, even as poor as we are lately. And the last spot is going to be between Leicester and Liverpool. I before yesterday, I said Liverpool would still get it, but I don't know. I, I think they might just miss out. I'll say Leicester fourth. You know, I don't even think they'll be in that race, to be honest, for the way things it's, are going. I think Liverpool, this season will it? be like, right how, They found a way to win for how long. I just keep thinking it's going to click eventually. But I don't know. Like I said, we've been forced so many think? times by like, 
to, to false turning points, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. That with that West Ham Spurs, we said Sheff- uh, Sheffield United technically. Um, yeah, but Charlie, what do you think? Um, top four? God, uh, City obviously. No one's stopping them. I think Chelsea United will be second and third. I'm not sure on the order. And then I think it will be between three for fourth. It will be between Liverpool, Leicester, and Arsenal. Interesting. I, I'm intrigued you've completely written off like Villa and West Ham and Everton. Like in that. I think they'll top fall off completely. Like in the back end. I don't think they've got it. I think one of those will get Europe. I've got a bit of a. I can see Arsenal going. I've got a bit of a curveball, really. With with that, I respect that though. What you're what you're saying, fairly fairly normal predictions. What you'd what you'd expect before the season, before quite a few teams have surprised us all. Um, I think obviously City winning the league, yes, as you say, self-explanatory. Um, I think second, I think United will just get another good run going. It's, they always will. They always. I mean, the fact they're second and they're playing this bad is quite impressive, to be honest. Um, third Chelsea, fourth. I'm I'm throwing a curveball here. I know I like to, but I fully think West Ham could get top four. I fully think like if they keep their players fit, they've got no Europe to worry about. No other. They're not in the FA Cup, are they? Yeah, they got knocked out by United in the mind. Um, they've got just a league to worry about. Um, uh, I think fixtures will be a bit, tiny bit better. Obviously, with the international break coming up, but. It it will it'll be very interesting for them. the next couple I think... of games will might define it really. Well, in the next five, they've got to play us, Arsenal, and Leicester. That is so. Huge like, if they games. can come out of that Absolutely with a huge. decent points total, then yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. I'm always going to be in denial with a team like that, thinking they're going to fall off eventually. Like, so I'd like to see them get top four, of course. Yeah, that I I completely understand. You know, any doubting of West Ham. I remember I also said about Leicester. I just didn't think they had it in them to. I just after the last season, I don't fancy them to get to that position. Injuries haven't been kind. Obviously, Vardy's fallen off as well for them. So I don't think they'll be in that top four race. But I could be completely wrong with that. Everton obviously got a really strong league position, but I don't think they'll get top four. I think if we um these next four or five games for us are crucial. We got. Uh, Burnley, which we ought to win. We got Spurs, we got Liverpool, and we got West Ham. That's really important games because after that, we've got one top six team and easy teams. Well, easy in the way of things, how they are. Um, we got Chelsea. So if we can win those next few games and we win the games we should, you can't write us out. As funny as that sounds, because of how awful we've been this season. Yeah, but, Europe at yeah, least. That's... Yeah, I think. I put us down. I I did like my top six. Um, I think I said Spurs fifth, and either I saw um, you. I think it was sixth, or was it? I think I said that. I can't over remember. It might be Leicester, but yeah, I'm intrigued how Liverpool do for the rest of the season, though, because a lot of people are still adamant or fairly confident they'll get top four, and a lot of people are like no chance to I mean, get near that. Our so fixtures are of, fairly favourable, I think. Just... If you go off current, off, form, well, current like, form, we're going to thing... finish mid-table. Yeah. But if you go off Liverpool's history, and I mean, the whole team's pretty much there other than Van Dijk, Gomez and Matty, and obviously the centre-backs. The rest of the team is there, so like they've obviously got the capabilities to do it. Mm-hmm. But they just If Jota's firing, if Mane's firing, if Firmino's firing, obviously Salah, if Naby Keita, you know, firing, then there's no reason they can't because... Um, 
Liverpool, you know, their weakness has really been like deep blocks this season. They played like Brighton and were absolutely useless for 90 minutes, um, who, you know, sat back and played them really well. Um, so if a team sits back against them or is organised defensively against them, they've really struggled. Kater but I think so Naby Keita yeah. started. He'll be a real... I think in, against um, worse teams or whatever you want to call it, um, I think you've got to play like Cater and Jones because I think they're two real freedom yeah. type players. And then... Mm, he won't Henderson be back fit? till May. Or oh, that's April. pretty tough then. Um, maybe... Maybe Fabinho in the six, maybe uh, Thiago, Genie. You know, you you stack for variety. It's just who's performing and who's mm-hmm. best to play that. Also, would help but... if as a working brain. That would be really helpful in games like these now. Yeah, that is very true. Not not going for the exact same tactics. Like I still think he needed to adapt tactics. Get the only thing he got right last like, night was the team selection. You... Yeah, he played quite a good team and just subbed off. Like, but yeah. Anyways, uh, obviously spoke about Liverpool before, but I think we'll go on to more of a European roundup now. You had uh, Barcelona versus Sevilla in the Copa del Rey. I want to say, yeah, second, um, second leg semi final was it? I think it's quarters. I mean, quite on semis, are we? Quarters. I'll check really. Right, so, yeah, calm. Um, but Sevilla. So they were tuning up first leg, which I wasn't even aware of to be honest, and. They they seem to fumble it. They, this season. They seem to fumble it where it really matters. Obviously, were very poor against Borussia Dortmund. Still got a chance in that, but this time round they fell completely short against Barcelona. Lost three 0 and PK scored a mm-hmm. ninetieth minute goal or something to take it to extra time. But I didn't watch it because I was watching the enthralling game at um, Selhurst Park. But um, so got a red Barcelona... card late on, just before PK. Oh yeah, that as well. They, uh, Fernando got sent off. How did how have they looked so flat though? Like I didn't bother watching because I watched them on the weekend against Barca and they were they were just awful. You wouldn't expect that like... from them, would you? Of all teams to bottle a two 0 first leg lead, yeah, it just seems. Quite, I don't know, quite the opposite team to do that, really. If you think the way they the way they play is not the type to do that. It's... They're usually so defensively sound. I just last few weeks like that doesn't it's not going to give them much confidence to have any chance to turn around a Dortmund game, mm-hmm. is it really? Not at all. Especially if they sit back as well, they'll get absolutely smashed because obviously Dortmund's attackers are lethal. But yeah, and then you had uh, for Barca themselves, uh, Dembele and Messi were brilliant, um, like they were in the weekends as well. So it's great to see Dembele. Obviously, he's had a really tough time with injuries and was deemed to be like some special, special player at Dortmund. But it's not worked out for him too much at Barcelona. But it's very good to see him shining. Really, that was the, obviously uh, Messi is that was the semi final by the way. The final is Barcelona against nice. Bilbao. Okay, you you would expect Barca to take that, but I don't watch Bilbao enough to tell you anything. So. They won an extra time last night, I believe. Bilbao did. Who they play? Uh, Levante. Oh, okay, fair yeah, enough. They, I mean, if no, no no offense, but obviously it's a one-off final. But if you take to extra time v Levante and then play Barca, actually, I mean Barca aren't even good to be honest. It's more of a big name themselves, but yeah. Um, and then on to a, another very interesting league. You got the Serie A. Um, which Charlie quite likes, so you know I'll let you take this away shortly. But Inter have extended their lead at the top, and Milan have dropped yeah. points again when it's mattered. It's quite quite worrying. I mean, you think, I was watching the Milan game, and it was just awful. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. Like the team selection wasn't. I mean, considering it wasn't 
awful, but just the the way that Milan played was it was just horrific. Donnarumma got very lucky to not concede multiple and you know not even get subbed off at that one point because he was he was playing that bad. Rebic, I was surprised that it stayed on for that long. And it's like I think Milan out of Milan's last five games, I think eighty percent of their goals have been penalties. And it was literally it was a penalty in the last That's kick worrying. of the game. So it, Even then, the Rafael really doesn't really do anything for them, does it? Other and then I see Inter, Inter win three nil. You know, I can't see Inter falling off anytime soon, especially when they play. I like knew that Syria really there for them. Sorry, when they lost Inter three nil, I knew. It was yeah, that was the yeah that was point, I think as well. That was embarrassing to be honest. Like uh, AC got unlucky not to get back into the game with some brilliant saves from Handanovic, but just in a general sense, that first twenty minutes they were completely locked off and they didn't even look like a team which were so high up the table. So it's disappointing. I think there's a potential they could lose top four at this point. Like I don't think, um, I think they're only about four or five really points into the top table four now. Yeah. Roma are fifth, Milan fifty-three. So it's only a six-point gap. And the form they're in. You never know, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, Milan have got United. We've got Napoli between the two United very games. interesting game, considering both are atrocious. Yeah, that's not ideal for oh, them, that's, that's, that's make or break season, really. I think I'm surprised Juve are so high up, to be honest. Do you guys think Juve will um, be near that? Top End four, you think? I mean, they've still got enough quality, I think, to get them through tight games. Like, obviously, you've got a player like Ronaldo in your team who is going to be the difference in a tight game. But I completely agree with your point. They have been poor this season. And I think a serious wake-up call is needed there. Otherwise, I mean, Ronaldo ain't staying there forever. So, Yeah. And also, I think it's worth mentioning as well for Inter. They've got Atalanta next on Monday, which is a huge game. And I think that'll be like the final decider for the title race because I don't think they have too many hard games left, but I'm not overly sure. Um, but yeah, that'll be a very interesting game to watch. Um, Atalanta, obviously, the team I like the most in Italy. So be quite fun to watch that one. Yeah, I don't know what Prem games are on Monday night. I don't know if I watched They've snuck into the top four Atalanta. Yeah. Out of nowhere, yeah. really. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. They've, they've been quite inconsistent this season, generally, but they've they've done well to get into the top four. They're on quite a good winning run for four or five games now. That's pretty mad. Gasparini doing doing great stuff. Hopefully, they can give Real Madrid also a very good game second leg and knock them out. But that's for another another topic. But um, also onto probably the best league in the world this season, to be honest, uh, Liga, which often gets a lot of disrespect, but. You've got an unbelievably tight uh, title race. You've got Monaco in fourth, I think it is. Yeah. Um, Leon are uh, second, I think. Leon third, PSG second. Lille first. And... Lille first still, yeah. Uh, PSG second. Yeah, I remember Leon won to take them to the top of the league or join one, but then Lille won instead. But Leon are a weird team for me. Like I just don't even fancy them under Rudy Garcia. Like, I like them as a team quite a lot. Uh, they're the team I like the most in France, but... Under Rudy Garcia, like I feel like they should have won by more against Rennes um, from the bits I watched. Uh, but they end up making it quite nervous for themselves and nearly end up losing it. And they only won due to a goal, which could have been deemed a foul. I don't know if you guys I saw it. I don't know. I know it was how I scored it. But... 
Dembele kind not Dembele, sorry, Depay um kind of pushed his way through, but it wasn't really a push, they were kind of pushing each other. Uh got through and played it to Awa, who calmly tucked it away. But yeah, that's that's a really interesting discussion. Leo and Leo got right um, now. They bring were late up on, every... didn't they? Two ninetieth minute goals to win two 0 against Marseille. That is like, obviously huge if that, for them. If they wouldn't huge. have won that, PSG would have took top spot. And that's what we keep saying on here, that they've just got to stay ahead because as soon as you fall behind PSG, you're in trouble. Only 10 games to go now, so hopefully they can hold on. It'd be nice to see. As much as I do would like to see Pochettino win it because I do rate him very highly as a manager. However, like seeing a sort of change in a title would be good. Jonathan David hitting form as well at the moment. It was his two goals. I'd love but, to um, see it. It's great as well. Again. It's gone through a tough period as well uh, when he first came to the club. I remember he played like four in a row, got no goals, ended up being subbed. Started used as an impact sub, just was useless. And now he's starting to find form, which is really good to see. And obviously, some players take longer to adapt than others. Contrary to yeah, it really what some people the season, may want or expect. Yeah, I think he scored seven now. Uh, I think it's a bit more than that, actually. Um, but that's... That was recent, at least. He scored like seven in, I don't know. Yeah, years. Um, obviously it's a difficult uh, boost to fear with Oshiman going to Napoli. And it was a lot of pressure on him, really, to be a star man. And he is finally coming to terms with that, which is good to see. It's quite mad when you think of the players uh, Lille have had over the years. You've got Rafael Leao who went to AC Milan, Nicola Pepe who went to Arsenal. And now um, you had Oshiman also went to Napoli for huge money, so... They're a really smartly run club, and Botman obviously now goes. they've got Jonathan David. Yeah, I'm talking oh, yeah, more yeah. attackers, but Botman's obviously on the eyes of many European clubs, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But yeah, I think that's about all there is for today. I think you appreciate. Thank it's you, good. Charlie, for coming on. Good. Uh, you can also check him out on the Anfield Talk podcast at times when he's on, quite on, quite on, quite regularly. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys are doing quite well uh, during lockdown and obviously schools are back. So there's some sort of normality coming back sooner. So that's pretty good, I guess. But yeah, stay safe. Obviously at Big Six Pod on Twitter, if you want to DM us about having a chance coming on the podcast, um, any ideas you've got, any tweet ideas, interactive tweets, etc. you know, anything you guys want to say and where all our podcasts will be uploaded. Um for the for the links for them for you to check them out. So yeah, uh thank you guys for listening really. Cheers, guys. Have a great weekend and enjoy the football.